0: I want to start off by saying, you know, last night our heart for last night was to really, really uh, lift up, exalt, encourage the roles. Everybody say roles. The, The roles that 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 mothers and fathers are called to play. Not just as mothers and fathers, but as men and women, as husbands and wives. Okay, because. Uh, For whatever, uh, no, not for whatever reason, uh, the enemy has an agenda to come after identity. Identity is a very powerful thing, and it is only given to you by one person, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You don't get to decide your identity. It's not fluid. It's set by Him, and He gets to tell you. Who you are. And as a man, I'm called to be a husband because I've chosen to enter into that relationship. If you don't want to be surrendered one to another, if you don't want to fit the role of a wife and as a mother, don't get married. You don't have to be under that submission. As a father, I don't have to provide for kids if I don't get married. Right? But as a father, there's a role that I play. And as a mother, there's a role that Natalie plays. And that is an identity that God has set in His Word. And so we're going to try and shift the lens of focus over to our children and uh, and structuring a home. And I know Natalie has a lot to say about that. That's probably one of the most near and dear topics to her heart, if I could go so far as to say that. Uh, and I think she, I think it's something that gets under her skin because she sees the degradation more clearly, even than me, that's happening in the homes in our country, right? And God is interested in your house. Um, I'm not trying to pump up Catholicism here, but I remember a quote from Mother Teresa, and and it goes like this: If something akin to, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Now go home and love your family because the seeds that you sow into your children you're making deposits every day to their building up or to their tearing down you're making deposits everybody said deposits and see over time you're building in them a structure that's going to be able to be filled by the love of God cuz there's going to come a day where uh Somebody said it to me like this you only have 18 summers with your son you only have 18 summers with your daughter and when i thought of it in those terms i was like oh my gosh <laughs> cuz there's coming a time when they're they're released they're free okay but i like to look at it this way you know we i believe okay in my personal where i see scriptures when i read through the bible there's an age of accountability and then up until a child reaches that point, up until a child reaches a place where they are accountable for their own actions, it's my job. It's my job as a father. It's her job as a mother to hold them accountable. I'm the law in their life. I'm right and wrong in their life. And I always like to go back to that verse that says, uh, uh, keep with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Everybody know that verse in Proverbs? I believe it's Proverbs four. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. In other words, out of your heart issues, the strengths and the weaknesses, the desires, the problems we create of our own making, those issue out of our heart. And Jesus says it's it's the things that proceed out of our heart that defile us. He says to eat with unclean hands doesn't defile you. But the things that proceed out of man's hearts dishonesty, cursing, adultery, all kinds of wickedness that comes out of the heart. So as a as a parent, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add something to that. It's not just your job to keep your own heart with all diligence. It's your job to keep your children's heart. Everybody with me. It's your job to keep your children's heart. With all diligence, that, that that means I'm not just watching on the wall of my own heart. I'm watching on the wall of all of my kids' heart. And when something comes in and it's going to attack my children's sense of well-being, it's going to attack attack my children's sense of identity. It's going to attack my children's uh, desires in life. Or if I see things getting out of hand where they're getting uh, too much of a good thing. I'm going to curb it in, okay? Because that's my job as a parent, and that's your job as a parent. Amen? So we're going to be talking about structuring a home. And and I have a little bit more to add to that tonight, but I feel like I want Natalie to start for multiple reasons, mostly because Emma's got a little timer back there. (laughs) So we're going to turn it over to Natalie. So why don't you all give Natalie a hand here?
1: Hello everybody. Hi. I am so honored to be able to talk about this tonight. Like Richard said, I can talk forever on this topic. It is so important. Um, I started out last night asking everybody to kind of zoom out a little bit to look at the very foundation and purpose of a husband and wife from God's perspective, why he even designed it, what was the structure for, because when you start defining roles and giving absolutes on things that don't line up with what our culture says, everybody says, that's so extreme. But it's not when you look at it through the lens of eternity. When you look at it through the lens of what's important to Father God, what he sees you doing for your home and your children, or the people that have been entrusted to your care, he thinks that is the most important thing that you can do with your life. And so as I go through and talk about discipline, structure, standards, all of these things that when people hear that, they're like, that's a little extreme. I don't know that I can do that. I want you to zoom back for a minute and realize that God made the home on earth, like I said last night, number one to be a picture of Christ and his church for the husband and wife. How Christ loved the church, gave his life for it, led, provided, offered love, encouragement. That is a picture that's supposed to be a husband and a wife and A church that willingly and cheerfully submits and follows. And I believe for parents, the heart of the father is expressed in both the father and the mother in a home. There is a justice side of the Lord. And there's a nurturing, loving side of the Lord. And you can't have one without the other. Or you get off balance. And it's so important, I believe, to have a mother and a father both in the home because he made them uniquely different to handle different issues in the home. And so when we have the opportunity to show the world who God is to them as his children, they're supposed to be able to look at your home and see a little micro picture of that and see love, joy, not maybe (laughs) 24-7. But the product of their life, you know. (laughs) I would like to open up real quick with a scripture. We're going to be reading real quick in Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, if not, just listen up. Hebrews 12. Not my Bible or anything. There you are. Hebrews 12, verses... Five through eleven. I'm going to go ahead and read this out loud and just listen up. And by the way, I'd like to make a comment. Those of you that are not parents, don't have any, you know, desire to be, you know, or if you're not in that stage of life, or if you feel like you're past that stage of life, I really want you to listen and glean and receive possibly wisdom information guidance for other people in your life because i remember the lord used to teach me when i'd sit and listen to somebody talk about the basics of christianity you know over and over and over again and i could feel myself just tuning out well this doesn't really apply to me i'm good this is not where i am the lord corrected me on that said, no you need to engage you need to be present you need to have your heart open to receive because i want to call upon every single point of you in the audience to be able to give out. Okay, and so part of this is being able to be filled up with wisdom and understanding so that you can also give out to those around you. Um, okay, so Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as sons. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son that he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, of which you all are partakers, then I'm not going to say the B word in church. (laughs) You are illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits, and live? For they, verily for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised by it. Paul was drawing a picture of how parents deal with their children and how our Father's going to deal with us, our Heavenly Father. And... I am very fortunate that I had a wonderful father. Um, I'm from a big family. There was nine kids, all one mother, one father. And my dad made the decision when he decided to have nine kids that he was going to have a home that was in order, that he was going to take it upon himself to teach his children the word of God. He wasn't going to pass it off to somebody else. He was going to raise us, discipline us in the admonition of the Lord. And so I, personally, have a really good example to draw from as a a father. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think if you don't have that experience in your life, it can be a little difficult when you're faced with a situation where you're supposed to parent and you're drawing from, okay, How did my dad do this? How did my mom do this? And if it was dysfunctional and not Christ-like, then you feel like you have to build a whole new set of skills. And number one, your father is able to teach you and guide you in how he treats you and how he loves you in his faithfulness, how to teach and love and discipline your children. So, um yeah i just wanted to give you hope that even if you had a rough childhood your father is there to teach you with this and i can say that my home growing up all of us kids we got to see this scripture in action it was the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our home in various different ways uh because he did not spare the rod he did not spare his love And so we'd be out, all nine of us in a restaurant, like little peas in a pod, the littlest next to him all the way in the nine. Still, no one's throwing food. No one's screaming. Everybody in the audience is like, audience, you know, the restaurant. My dad got to, from an early age, watch the peaceable fruit of righteousness because he applied the principles in the scripture. And so for me. When I approached parenting, I knew, I knew it was going to be a job that was going to be difficult. I knew it was going to be hard work. I knew it was going to be exhausting. But I also got to see my family love each other. We love being around each other. We love getting together. It's not a place we're trying to escape from all the time or feel like we're obligated to go and visit because my dad's built a place in his home that's full of love. Um, so I wanted to go through two things before I pass it over to Richard. I wanted to go through what it looks like to discipline in a godly way and what it looks like to structure your home in a godly way. And so, uh, the f- first thing, if you're writing down something in terms of discipline, it's uh, a bit of wisdom my dad gave me, and I've always held on to it. Uh, this might sound like it doesn't mean much, but if you carry it through, you'll understand why. Uh, never give any command to your child that you won't spend 20 minutes fighting to see through. Don't even open your mouth to tell your kid anything unless you're going to see it through. That sounds kind of random, I think, at the beginning. But I have noticed so many parenting styles that it's all about redirection with their children it's all about let's see if I can distract from the fact that they're not listening to me you know or let's see if I can just holler at them until they'll listen and I want to let you know that your word to your children needs to be weighted it needs to be full of authority it needs to be the last word in the house And I feel like I have to go around and give people permission to be the parent. Yes, you're the parent. Parent your kid. Take charge. Lead your home. Don't let your kid lead you. And right now, there is a very strong philosophy of children-led parenting where the children are going to feel squelched if you tell them no. There's literally a school in Tulsa. They're not allowed to say no to the children. They can't say the word no to three-year-olds. And the teacher goes to our church, and I was like, how do you do this? That would drive me nuts, you know? That's the foundation of my parenting is no. And it's all redirection, and it's all you know, trying to get them to see it your way. Three-year-olds don't care. They want it their way. Um, But I just wanted you to know, That when I tell something to my kids, it's never just white noise. I don't say, hey, stop that. Hey, stop that. Hey, stop that. And then just, okay, whatever. No, if I say it, it will be obeyed and it will not be ignored. And because my dad saw very quickly that his house would be overrun. (laughs) Overrun. If there wasn't one phrase, filled with fear from the children. Okay, dad said it we have to stop. You know. And I think somehow that's the foundation you have to start with to realize that your word is law in your home. And you don't have to apologize to your children for that. Like Richard said, you are right and wrong for them. And it doesn't have to be their opinion against yours. Joshua has so many good ideas. The moment I tell him he can't do something, and he's very good. He, he he comes and he's like, "Well, what about if I did this and this and this?" You know, and and I have to watch myself because I think, like, "Oh yeah, no, well, that's not a bad idea," you know. But I, uh, no, I said this, and people who have a strong-willed child will understand what we went through with Joshua the first couple of years. It was battle after battle after battle of establishing my word is law in this home and you will not talk back to it. And people think that somehow that's going to damage their children if they can never get their own way. I'm going to go into why there also needs to be grace on the side of it. But I think before anything else, you need to understand your words have to mean something to your children. Your words have to be law, and they will not be ignored, and they will not be spoken against. Okay, let's start with that foundation. And I'll see parents debating with their children. I'll hear them yelling at their kids for five minutes, and it goes one ear and out the other because they feel like once their parents is in hysterics screaming at them, well, I guess I better listen because it's getting hard to listen to. You know, no. You never get to that point because your word needs to be law. And um the what I tell people also is that your kids need to have clear expectations from you. Or else everything that results in discipline will just be reactionary in the moment. Frustration-based. Embarrassment-based, you know. And so when I am going out somewhere with my kids, as an example, I'll turn to them and I'll be like, all right, we're going in the grocery store. We're not here for toys. We're not here for candy. Don't ask for anything. Don't touch anything. All right, tell them back to me. And all right, we'll do it. And of course, the one time I don't do it, it's like candy, toys, yeah. and so I have to keep doing it. But the thing is, I want to give them something to put their little minds on. Okay, I have a clear expectation from mom, so if I disobey, the discipline's on me. I I know why I'm getting disciplined. Because I think often, if a kid is in public and they're just running around being a little terror, the parents are embarrassed, they're frustrated, and so they're showing their kids that discipline comes from the moment. It comes from reactions. It comes from frustration. I'm embarrassing mom. She's going to be upset and she's going to discipline me. No, it needs to be, I disobeyed mom. So this is why I'm getting disciplined. And you need to have a little tolerance for chaos in your life. You're going to have boys for sure. Because I have a pretty good tolerance for chaos. I grew up with a bunch of siblings. Richard can attest this. I can be in the middle of them, running and screaming in a controlled way, and I'm, I'm good. And and Richard, at the beginning, he's so much better now. He'd be like wigging out and be like, what is this noise? Because he had one sister, you know? And he was used to quiet, peace, order, you know? And I have a tolerance for chaos, but I also have a line that I don't let them go over. And I wanted my boys to know they could be boys. I'm okay if they jump on the couch. I don't have a nice couch. Cause I knew once I let the battle line, I don't want ever you see you standing up on this couch, then every time they sit on the couch, it would be a spanking. It would be a battle. It would be boom, boom. So in my mind, I said, Am I okay with them running on the couch for now? Yeah, I'm okay with it. And I let it go. And I I, I know that's not everybody's situation, everybody's house. Um, people are like, were you raised in a barn? Kind of. And so I I have lower <laughs> expectations sometimes for what people can do in my house. But that's the way I am. I'm a little bit freer for the boys to be able to be boys. But I have lines that I have drawn, and I don't let them go past it. And I give them clear expectations for that. But you can throttle your kids, too, by every single thing they do. They go get mud on their feet. Ah, 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 you know. They run just a little too fast or something. Ah, 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 ah. I feel like there should be, if you're going to have children, a little tolerance for chaos, just a little, so they can be kids. But when you draw the line, that is the line. And my dad would say, what's peaceful for me will be peaceful for them. So he didn't necessarily build his philosophy about, you know, my kids need this and this. No, I need peace for the next three hours. Everybody be quiet or go outside, you know. And and people are like, oh, that's authoritarian. That's rude. That's, you know. No, he knew there was like these lines that he could have that he could set for himself. And there was peace and chaos. And he knew what he could take and he knew what he couldn't. And so he would draw careful lines for that. And I think it's important for you to do that with your children as well, teenagers, whatever it is. I mean, you can have lines that you draw when you're okay with this amount of chaos in your house and you're okay with this amount of peace you have. And if you're not, redraw the lines and stick to it. Um, that's also important because your kids need clear expectations from you. They don't need to feel like they're floundering. And if they step the wrong way that minute, then you're going to snap and you're going to spank them. That is unhealthy parenting. That is not teaching your children who the father is. Okay. And that kind of leads me to my next thing. If at all possible, don't spank your children out of anger. I'll be the first one to say that I have done that. But if all possible, if I need a couple moments, I will step back, get calm again, and I'll come back and I'll spank them without screaming, without wildly flinging and grabbing the closest thing next to me and whacking him with it. I, I have done that before with Josh, because you don't know what that boy would do on a daily basis. As a strong-willed child, I literally thought we were raising a psychopath. He did not care about spankins. He ate them for breakfast. And he'd say, what's next? With a smile. And <laughs> so for three, for like the year of three-year-old, like I thought he was going to be damaged forever because I felt like it was a spanking for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And at bedtime, it was two hours. And I feel like... That consistency did pay off but that was also why I learned to tolerate some chaos and tolerate the lines that I wanted to defend because Josh would try every line multiple times a day. So I had to decide for my own peace of mind, what am I gonna defend and what am I gonna let go? And Marshall never really, you know, tried to push the lines if I just said, Marshall <laughs> Sorry, Mom, you know. And it was night and day from Joshua. And if you've always had those children, I'm <laughs> so glad for you. And you probably think, why do we need to spank our children? When you have a strong-willed child, you understand that a two-year-old cannot be reasoned with. A three year old cannot be reasoned with. And I didn't want to spend twenty minutes every time there was an infraction of my rules telling them why they were wrong. I gave them a good whack on the bottom, and that got the message through pretty good. And in five minutes, they were straightened up. And I also knew that if I would sit there and talk, and they wouldn't receive what I was saying, then 20 minutes later, I would be angry enough to finally spank, and then it would be out of anger. So for me, they broke the rules. It was a good, swift spanking right in the moment, and I was good. And they were good. I mean, they're upset, but they knew I loved them, and they knew it wasn't out of anger. It was out of, you brought this on yourself by disobeying me, and this all maybe sounds elementary, but in practice, it is very difficult to keep consistent, and I know Richard and I (laughs) literally had a moment, and Josh was like, do we want more children? (laughs) Like, I don't think I signed up for this, And, and... I had eight brothers and sisters and I disciplined my littlest ones and I never had one like Joshua. And so I'm glad in a way because if somebody comes to me and is like, I I feel like I am constantly disciplining, constantly spanking, constantly correcting. When is the time for love and cuddles and reassuring? It is there. It will be there. It might be two years later, (laughs) but it'll be there. I'm serious. Joshua has such a wonderful heart. He is such a little gentleman, and he is respectful. And he he will try the lines, but it has settled in his little mind and heart that me and Dad are the leaders of the home. And he can try to fight, but he won't win. And that has made such a difference because he has a personality that will run your house. He will run anything that you give him the authority to run. And there are children like that, and they're going to change the world. But you need to know that your job as their parent is to harness that and make it respectful and obedient. The goal for discipline is repentance, not ridicule. I am guilty of this as well, but I know it, and I feel it, and I can feel it in my heart when I do it. You turn to your kid. What is wrong with you? Don't you remember what I said five minutes ago? Are you blind? Are you deaf? That is not the goal of discipline. The goal of discipline is repentance for when they have done something wrong. A correction so that they will in their life have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And it will be easier for them to follow the Lord. It will be easier for them to have a moral compass in their life. So I don't want to instill in them the idea that when they make a mistake, not only are they going to get disciplined, they're going to be shamed for it. They're going to be ridiculed for it. They're going to be feeling bad about themselves for the next couple hours. And when they've been testing the lines, it's tempting to do that. Because for me as a woman in my personality, if somebody were to say that to me, I would stop what I was doing right away. And I'd figure out what's wrong with me. And I can't project that on my kids. That's not a healthy way for them to realize they're doing something wrong. It's my job to stay above it, not get down on the level of some schoolyard bully who's going to bully them into seeing things my way. And there is a difference there. And it's In the moment, it is hard sometimes to keep it just to the point. Why did you do this? You disobeyed and this is what's going to happen. And it could be the fifth time. And I'm literally wondering, Marshall, are you deaf? Did you hear me the last five times? You know, and I've done that before, but I need him to know that him disobeying, making mistakes, all of these things, it's not going to bring down shame because that's not what the father does to us. He corrects us in love. He doesn't correct us with ridicule. And, um, um, what was I going with that? I had something to say. Lord help me remember. Marshall. I probably was wrapped around Marshall. That sweet boy. Oh yes, here we go. This is another thing. <laughs> I don't spank for mistakes. I don't spank for mistakes. I don't spank if they spill milk. I don't spank if they knock against the wall and break a picture, you know. I don't want the message to be if you if you mess up, if you genuinely mess up, you're gonna get you're gonna get spanked and, and yelled at. I want them to know, no matter how inconvenient it is, I want them to know, okay, it was a mistake and we're gonna deal with it. You're probably gonna do the work, you're gonna make it right, but you're not gonna get punished for a mistake. And that is also <laughs> with little kids who are chaotic and little boys who get into everything and mess everything up. I do discern whether or not it was rebellion or mistake and the Lord can help you do that. And so, yeah, but that's an important thing. The goal of discipline is not ridicule. It's repentance. Okay. Um, You will have what you allow in your home. So if there's something in your home that you don't like, you're the gatekeeper. Get it out of your house.
2: Whether it's behavior, whether it's exposure on social
1: media, movies, the way they talk, where they act. But your children, if it's in your home and you don't want it, get rid of it. Okay? And don't stop till it's gone. And I want, in my home, respectful talking to one another. And I will remind them what the word says about that. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. So why are you saying that to your brother? Why are you saying that to your sister? You know, the things that I want in my home, I make sure it's there. And not only do you make sure you kick it out, but you are supposed to be modeling it. You're supposed to be modeling the behavior that you want for your children. So if you're asking them not to have a temper tantrum... Are you showing them how not to have a temper tantrum? You know, you're asking them not to swear. Do you have a potty mouth? You know, And so you need to know that you are also the model for your children. Dad would always say, you could teach what you know, but you're going to impart who you are. And that's scary and wonderful because you're really letting the Lord mold you into somebody that's worth passing on to your children it's a wonderful thing because they're going to have that example in their hearts and their minds as they go about their life okay so for me i didn't necessarily want to go into like spanking because i know it's a hot topic Just suffice it to say, I have no issues with spanking. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool for straightening up children. But if you're spanking at 13 and 14, you might have gone wrong somewhere. Like, I I think there's a a petering off uh, for young children. Because I don't have a moment to explain to my three-year-old why running out in the road is going to be bad for them can't sit down and tell them all the bad things they don't know this so when they're running out in the road and they can't listen to me saying stop it right now they need to know there's going to be a big spanking on my bottom if I don't obey right now not oh, mommy's going to talk to me for 5 minutes so I can deal with that you know so for me I have noticed for my children I will spank and I will make sure they know that, that it's going to hurt but it's going to be from love and not from anger. And so I I do have friends who have seen all of the dysfunction that comes with spanking children and the abuse of it. So they will not spank their children. They will sit and they'll explain and they'll talk things through, but they don't back down on what they've said. They make sure what they said is obeyed. And it seems to be working for their children. And so I, I would... Just personally rather not have to because when I say my word is law it is law and if I want to explain to them why I laid down this rule I will do that if I want to not because I have to <laughs> It's wonderful being a parent and so yes that's what I have to say about discipline for that and then the next thing I just wanted to, t- to give you some pointers on how I have structured my home and the standards that we have taken for our home, for our children. Because I don't think maybe, this might be an oversimplification. but I'm not sure if people 40 years old and over quite grasp how terrible <laughs> and toxic the social media
2: and um, movies, TV. YouTube how truly
1: awful it has become it has become so toxic for a child and it is around every single corner (laughs) you cannot escape it and so for me and Rich we have decided that our home will be a fortress against social media TV and movies for our children so when I, I say that, there is nothing that gets to them without coming through us. Nothing. Or Roberta, when they're at Roberta's house. And I'm, I stick to that so hard. They don't watch anything new unless I am sitting there with them. So they watch a lot of old TV, old Disney, old things that I know from my experience won't jack them up because I mean, I'll be sitting and watching a TV show with them, and it'll start giving a message that um, this chipmunk has two dads, and he is making Christmas presents for all the kids. This is wonderful, and by the end, they're all applauding, you know. And this was a, a TV show that we had been watching all the way up to that point. Little cartoon kitty cat, and it was so cute and so fun, so well made. And that episode, at the moment, I didn't jump up. And I, we finished it, we turned it off, and we never watched it again. And so they didn't think anything of it because it, they didn't come out and say that they were married. But the, just the messages, one after the other, and they're so sometimes benign, but it's just a washing. It's just a washing over your children. And they're so accepting of any idea at their age, and they have no idea how to put it through a lens of truth So that it's your job to make sure they see everything through a lens of biblical worldview. So I don't have necessarily an issue with them watching Moana. We'll watch it, and at the end of it, I'll take them aside, and I'll be like, "Okay, they were talking about demigods in there. What do you suppose that was?" And we'll start a little little talk right there, and I'll say, "The Hawaiian culture." They did not have the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know how our world was created and that God made us all, has a plan for us, that Jesus came to redeem us. So what they did is they created stories about how this world was created and how things were run and how things happened. And this was their interpretation of it. So this is why it's really important for us to be able to give the gospel. Not everybody knows it yet. So their little minds will take Moana And all the fun, dancing, cute things. And it's in the box of, they don't know God. They don't know the gospel. This is a made-up story. And so, for me, you know, and I'm completely fine with parents who draw the line even before that. That's great. Do what you need to do for your home. But every single thing that I let them watch, it's like I crack open this gate of everything that's trying to get into the home. And I'll let one thing through and then we'll gather around it and we'll talk about it and we'll look at it through the lens of truth because I don't want my kids necessarily getting out in the world and being like, Oh, what is Allah? What is Buddha? What is a demigod? You know, like, and they just so many things that are left unanswered in here and it was just... Bad, 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 taboo, taboo, taboo. Don't look at it. Never touch it. Never talk about it. And so I think my kids, the way I'm handling it in my home, so they're not caught off guard with everything the world has to offer, I will, when they're ready for a certain idea or topic, I'll let it through and we'll talk about it. And we'll let the word of God decide what's right and wrong in that particular issue. And so what me and Rich are doing, I think every parent has to be doing with their kids. Because they're getting so much. And we are in a unique position that not a lot of parents can be in where I control every moment of my kids' day. They're not in school. They're homeschooled. I'm with them. So they don't really get to go and be amongst a culture that's giving them all of the wrong messages. And then come home and then have to, like, work through it. Maybe all by themselves, and try to put all this information in boxes of: Is this true? Is this right? Is this wrong? What am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to say to them? You know, and that's why a parent—you can never stop the conversations. The vigilant, vigilant, jumping on things the moment you hear it. Like, let's talk about this. What does the word say about this? And that right there is going to help your children. Develop the ability to run things past the word of God because that's what you want them to do when they're out of the house. So I'm starting it right now with them. And Moana was just a little example, but there's other things that we're talking to them about. And when I'm reading books to them, and I will say this, movies, I believe, have the power to wrap up their little emotions and deliver them a message that can be anti-God, anti-truth, in a way that maybe reading a book can't. I mean, books are like that too. But uh, there is something that I do guard against even more strongly with movies. Because I've watched movies that make infidelity seem like the most normal thing in the world, that it should have happened. Yes, you're rooting for it by the end. That's how powerful movies and storytelling can be. And so for you in your home, you make sure the messages that are coming through and these beautifully wrapped in emotional stories are not giving your kids all these seeds of doubt. And that's that's huge. If you can do that for your home, just build a wall. And don't let anybody else look at them that and be like, you are sheltering your kids. They are not going to know what to do when they get out in the world. What is wrong with you? They need to be normal. They need to see these things. It's just sex. Who cares? They need to know about it. You. You are the one that introduces things to them. You are the one that gives them the ability to run it past the word. Okay? Don't let the world do it for you. Um, And then one more thing, and I'll probably turn it over. I'm I'm not even sure. I'm not keeping on my topics here. But, um, yeah, don't abdicate your role because there are so many things that are willing to parent your kids. So many things are ready right there to give them the information they need if you're not giving it for them. Okay. And so, uh, basically, that's how we're structuring. We don't give our kids the remote. They don't get the remote just to go and watch. And it's like... This is a start time. This is a stop time. And the most wonderful thing we did was in February, Richard uh, thought of it, it was no screens at all. So February, we turned the TV off, then switch off, and they had an entire month without a single TV show, single game, single movie. I think we had a movie night where all of us got together and watched something. And the kids, for the first week, were like zombies. They are like, oh my gosh, what am I doing laying on the couch, you know? Every five minutes, mom, what can I do? Mom, what can I do? It's like a little drug addicts, you know? And I'm like, look, go find something to do. You got a bunch of toys, you got outside, anything, you know? And so literally within a week, it was just the most imaginative games. They were playing outside. They were doing things with each other. And I will notice that we'll like, we'll start doing media with them. We'll give them an hour here, an hour there. Weekends now are the time they get to play games, not during the week. And I can tell when Monday rolls around, it's like they just, their attention span's all whack and they're just like crazy. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. Screens are powerful. And if I could say anything to you about structuring your home, I would do your best to just limit it. Just limit it. They're not going to die. They're going to do so well without it. Um, But there's other things that I could say about this, but I think I'm going to pass it off to Richard um, because those are the biggest things for me. Guard your
2: home.
0: (laughs) Isn't that good? Lots of practical stuff. The most important thing, and I think it's wrapped up in that phrase that you said, uh, you can teach what you know, but you impart who you are. Right? And uh, the most important thing you can do is continue to model Jesus. And I want to go back to something I said on Sunday is that you have the complete ability right now. I said I don't believe in a progressive salvation. What I mean by that is you're never going to get more saved than you are right now. Everybody on board with that? You may learn more and you may grow in knowledge, but the ability to walk in who Christ is is in you today. So when He reveals things like this, maybe, maybe you didn't have a good image of an earthly father or, or how to structure a home. Maybe this is news to you. Maybe it's not. But if it is news to you, the hope I want you to leave with is that Jesus is in you right now to start these things. You don't have to pray about it. You can pray about leadership. okay? But But you have the ability to start to walk like Christ in these areas. I do want to add my two cents. For, it's only eight o'clock, okay? So everybody just take a little stretch, reset if you need to move a bit, okay? Natalie was homeschooled, right? I'm not. We've chosen to homeschool our kids, uh, but I'm not afraid of public school and all of its evils. <laughs> That's a joke, okay? <laughs> Sometimes people can't tell if I'm joking, so I have to tell, or I'm not funny. I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> Natalie says I'm not funny. A little of both. Little of both okay. <laughs> I, I always explain my jokes to Natalie. She's like, "Yeah, I got it." You know. <laughs> um, but I was in public school for uh, all my life, and um, I you know I I remember. I don't want to get too graphic, but I can remember being exposed to some pretty bad stuff in 5th grade, 4th grade, 5th grade. I remember boys' locker rooms. You're going to hear it all. Okay? I was in high school football. I was in high school track. And my conscience never left me. And my parents were never passive. Everybody say passive. Um. And I know that if I put my boys in public school, if I put my girls in public school, they're going to run into some mean people. Okay, But as long as I don't just let go, and, and I think I want to add that, don't let go. Don't find surrogate parents for your kids. Okay, You're always on top of everything. If there was a class that they objected to, they knew about it. If there was something that I was doing that I shouldn't be doing, they knew about it because they were asking all the time. When me and my buddy started playing cards, we'd play cards, we'd play cards, and then one night we took up gambling. Okay, <laughs> We were doing pennies, and we were doing nickels, we were doing quarters. And, you know, and, and I was like, well, you know, I, I loved my friends. And so my dad finally said, don't do that. When he found out we were doing money, don't do that. Now you may say, that's too strict. Okay, you decide what's strict. But you be Christ in the middle. I will go ahead and say this. Whether or not I've ever been addicted to gambling, I never got the choice. I never. But but I do know that my friends who didn't have parents who stepped in, a lot of them got debt. And they got debt by gambling online. And it grew. So you, you may say, Well, you're being too strict. Well, when aren't you? When aren't you being too strict? When is the line there? You need to decide that. Okay. Public school is, is is not a scary thing if you're being a diligent parent. Okay, And then they were on top of every single issue that I faced. And I, I, I always knew that the, the, the 10% was my school of life, the 90% was my home life. That's the way I felt. I never felt like school was most of my time. Most of your time is at home. And I will go ahead and add this: that it's not the job, primary job at the church, to make sure your tu- your kids turn out okay. And I know most of you know that, but this is going online. Hallelujah! <laughs> and and uh, invest in your kids, build in, in them, and and encourage them. We uh, we raised horses when I was little, and one of the things you you knew you needed to do, you put on a bridle right out of the gate. <laughs> the moment stands up you put that bridle on right you put that bridle on and you start to lead it around when it's a baby why cuz you can deal with babies right but when they're when they're full blown stallions geldings whatever it is you can still train them okay there's hope it's just a harder battle right <laughs> it's a harder battle So, you pay the price up front, and it's easier, and that's the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We're not exaggerating when we say we would sit there for two or three hours telling Josh to go to bed and stay in bed. That was how bad it was. But now, I never, I haven't had that fight in years, you know. And that's just a microcosm of what, of what parenting is. And it's progressive, and it's consistency. Everybody say consistency. You know, God never lacks as his standards, no matter how many ways you come about it, he never lacks as his standards and he has your good in mind he has your good in mind hallelujah hallelujah I'm trying to think if there's anything else let's go to uh we'll go to one verse here that I had written down let's go to proverbs 29
2: Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. They give wisdom. But a child left to himself
0: bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgressions increase, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Did your Bible say rest? Mine says rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. We have a generation of children that are left to themselves. And we're called to be salt and light to them. They're left to themselves, and and they're losing their innocence far sooner than they should. To screens. We were just we were over at the Mossman's house earlier today, had lunch, and we were talking about how some of these small schools, just country schools, uh, the kind of behavior that's being introduced, uh, uh, it's incredible. Stuff that I never dealt with even you know, when I was in school 15 years ago. And, and the only way this stuff gets introduced to kids in little back country Iowa is because they've got a screen and they're watching TikTok. And there's nothing wrong with the platform, but the content, you hear me? If you do not check the content, there's one thing I, I wish I could rip out of every 12-year-old's hand is their bone. Amen. Because it is it is a gateway to stuff they don't know how to control or handle. They're not ready for it. And you as your parent keep their heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of their life. You will continue to see rise in homosexuality and transgender. You will continue to see more and more kids that way. Why? Because, Because it's... Uh, be, not because they're they're actually homosexual, but because it's being introduced on a wide level. The scale of this indoctrination is huge. It is the message, and it's our message has to be brought forward too. And it starts with leading strong families. Amen. So I want you guys to to keep those things in mind. Be consistent. I'll leave one more parting note for fathers. I haven't gone that long. <laughs> fathers, especially, it's your job. I'm I'm not saying ladies can't be big picture, but that's that's how I see things, that's how I relate. It's your job to steer the home. And if you steering if you see it being steered into a dead end, it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you guys are as a family eating the wrong stuff. You take charge and you fix it. Maybe you as a family, maybe something worked in a season and the season has changed and now it's not working. You need to fix it. And, and what Nat was talking about with the screen time, what had happened was as we had more children, each one of them we started to, we had a certain amount of time they could play video, their video games every day. Okay, After school, they could play their video games. Oh, when you have three kids and they all want to play their video games and then they all want to watch each other play their video games that time starts to add up, even if you are setting limits. So by the time three kids get done with their time playing their video games, I mean, the whole day starts to revolve around it. And I was seeing, I was seeing, look, we're backing our kids into an addiction if we don't switch something. So switch something. Stay in balance, right? So we did. We took a, a month off of it entirely, and now our, our structure is completely different. There's only two days a week well, two and a half that they play games at all, and it is Friday night, Saturday, and maybe Sunday, okay. And it's switched everything. Where the majority of the week they don't have those games because they now I have a little bit different time limit, but you adjust. Everybody say adjust. See, as fathers, you're called to course correct things, and maybe your season has changed. You change with it, and you adjust, and you make sure your kids aren't becoming addicted to something underneath your nose. That's your responsibility. Amen? Keep your nose at the school. You keep your nose on the teachers. You figure out what they believe. Those teachers have an agenda sometimes. They do. And you need to you need to keep your nose in their face. <laughs> Isn't that right, Mom? Wait, We could be here a long time, couldn't we? <laughs> That's your responsibility. Amen. It's not it's not the it's not the schools, it's not the churches, that's parents. Hallelujah. Well I know we want to uh I wanna go ahead and I think I'm done. I think Natalie covered a lot of it. There's way more to cover, but you stay in prayer and stay close to Jesus and you're gonna be fine. Amen. All right. So uh we wanted to give an opportunity to to pray over families and, and uh uh, I also want. I think, if there's, if there's, if you've got family that you want prayer for, we want to include you too. So uh, we want to just pray over some of those things and and uh, close out this this weekend with that.